0: your host, Pastor Marcus Holman. Thank you for joining us on another weekly episode of Studio B. Uh, While you're watching, go ahead and click that subscribe, that like, that follow, uh, so that you're up to date on all the new content that Studio B is putting out. Uh, Today, uh, we have a hot topic um, and a very special guest in the studio today, Pastor James A. Lee. The A stands for Albert. Amen. Uh, a stands for
1: amen. <laughs>
0: Good to see you, man, and thank you for joining us here on Studio B. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, brother. Thank you so much for having me. I- I'm excited. Uh, when you came to me, I jumped at the chance to just take part in having a conversation with my brother around this topic. So thank he, you very he much. He literally
0: jumped at the chance. Uh, There's a backstory to that. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you joining us here. Um, so today, man, we have this very unique uh, conversation, uh, a very uncomfortable conversation, if you will, and that is the topic of race and the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been said that the 11 o'clock hour is the most divisive hour in America, where we have black church over here, white church over here, Hispanic church over there. We have all these different breeds all claiming to adore and worship the same God, um, but yet having uh, very strong difficulties in worshiping together. And so uh, th- with all that is going on in our current culture right now, um, it seems like this is the perfect opportunity for the church to really stand up and take the lead or be at the forefront of the conversations moving forward. However, there are some issues that we need to in- uh, address internally. Yeah. And yeah, so as you're looking yeah. at today's events, what's kind of your 30,000 foot view of what's going on?
1: Well, like, as you said, you know, we have to take a look at ourselves uh, internally, and that's the church, and that, that is you know whatever race or <clears throat> whatever denomination if you will where we have to start to say does love override everything else my love for christ my love for humanity my love for uh the church does it override everything else does do i have to uh always make race if you will i think tony evans said the other day does does Do I have to make race my God? So do I have to say I'm black and a Christian? Can I just be a Christian? Mm -hmm. Do I have to say I'm white and a Christian? Can I just be a Christian when it comes to to Christ and it comes to Christianity? Yeah, we're black. Yeah, we're white. We are different. We are very, very different. But that thing that unites us, that should unite us, should be that gospel message. Should be the the, the Christ that died for us. He died to reconcile us back to God, to bring us back, uh, to be unified. He tore down the dividing wall. Isn't that what it says in Ephesians that there is now no more enmity between us and Christ? There should be no more enmity between
0: us uh, in ourselves. So, what is that wall? Um, The biblical perspective is, of course, what you just said. Paul reaffirms it when he said there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor male nor female, but we're all one in Christ. We have a biblical principle that we can read, we can study, we can exegete that particular passage, but when it comes to the practical application of it, it seems Mm -hmm. to be void. So what is that particular wall that exists still in the church with two people who apparently love the same God but have absolutely opposing views on all things that are pertaining to life. Like, what is that wall? How do we get past it? I think it's dishonesty.
1: I think it's it's total dishonesty where, where we're not going to be honest with ourselves and say, I can't accept his differences or I can't accept her differences. And that's on both sides. I think we've had the conversation before that if you're sitting in a room with your friends and they're all of the same nationality and you're having conversations like you and I may have, but then when someone from a different nationality walks in, that conversation either changes mm. or we leave some stuff out. Mm. So I think that if we're honest enough to have those same honest conversations, and I'm not talking about where we can, you know, stop saying the N word or I'm not talking about something like that. I'm talking about when you say as a black man, uh, you know, this hurts me or, you know, I'm sick and tired. You use the same language. I'm sick and tired of seeing black folks get beat to death. I'm sick and tired of not seeing my evangelical brothers come up in here and and stand up for us. I'm sick and tired of seeing blacks, evangelicals or black Christians with their hands out and always blaming the white man. We can have that conversation and be honest about it. If our if our, our Anglo brothers will come and say, you know what, the reason why I. Think a certain way about you is because, and then we can start working through that stuff together. But we have to be honest to have those conversations with those people
0: in the room. But honesty brings about fear, okay? Uh, because if I'm honest, uh, I drive that invisible wedge to an already divided situation. And so there, if 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 honesty is the platform, it's the foundation. Then we know that me being honest in a particular situation with a particular group of people will seemingly cause more harm than good. And so we have been taught, even in the church, we've been taught even in the church, that we are to put our best foot forward, we are to put on our Christianity and all the likes, but to have those honest conversations, we are not encouraged to have those, even as it relates in the church. And what I'm saying is, and the problem that I see that we're facing right now is we're reading the same Bible. Okay. Same 66 books. Yeah. Same Jesus. Yeah. Same apostles, okay. Same doctrine, but my evangelical brothers over here to the left, or to the right, or this church and that church, seemingly have different views on the same book that we are all reading. And so, how can this wall that we all know exists be crumbled or be torn down in our culture right now? Once again, we will have to say honesty from a different angle. Uh, I have to
1: honestly say that if I'm in the one, that, the one that's in power. Okay, and we'll say we, let's not sugarcoat this. Let's 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 keep it real. All right, the 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 Anglo's that are in power. If I'm honest, I'm going to say that I don't want to lose my power, so I'm going to use the the, the Bible, the text, or I'm, I'm not going to have those conversations because then I lose my position. Then you you we can use our. Brothers and sisters in the African-American church that they want to hold on to uh, their past and they want to hold on to this because sometimes that's the only thing that has held us together. And we're not honest with the fact that we don't put our best foot forward when it comes to owning up to our responsibility for what we have not done. So on both sides, what have my Anglo brothers in the church, have? what have they not done? They have not been honest in saying, you know what, I was wrong. I do have a superiority complex. I do uh, want to maintain and keep this power. My brothers and sisters, they will say, well, you know, yes, I want to continue to blame everybody for my situation, the Anglos and and all this. But then on the other side, we're saying, well, we're going to keep on trusting in God. Well, if you're trusting in God, then you're going to have to learn to forgive. And the other side, we're going to have to be honest with the, with the fact that
0: I am the oppressor. So now, Pastor Lee, now you're talking about two different factions of people. I so totally understand. When we talk about as a biblical man, as a biblical woman who believes in the precepts of the word of God— the forgiveness word is almost a bad word, a tainted word, a a soft, a slave mentality word that we're always taught to forgive our oppressor, forgive our oppressor. And so that word is taken on a negative context okay. as it relates to the church. But as a Bible man, as a Bible woman, uh, that's really the only thing that we have to lean on. That's and so as right. I'm saying in the church, and this is going to take us into another area that okay. um, I, I think needs to be addressed. Jesus said that the church is the salt and the light of the earth. He said that um, nobody lights a light and puts it up under a bed. We are the salt and the light of the earth. We are plan A. There is no plan B. But when you're looking at the factions that are within the church that is supposed to have the answers to the world's problems, there is a very sharp disconnect between allowing that messed up group of people to talk on behalf of other messed up group of (laughs) people. And so when we're talking about the church, I think it's incumbent upon those of us who call ourselves Christians, Pastor Lee, to really begin to examine ourselves and start having, as you say, the honest conversations, even though they're threatening. I agree. They are threatening. And as you, as I talked to one of my white evangelical brothers last week, he made a point by saying, uh, Pastor Roman, I am scared to lose my social capital. Yes. that's That's his exact words. Uh, I'm scared to lose my social capital if I speak out on this regard. And then they're in a position by saying, he says, well, Pastor Roman, you know, if I say this, it's going to be construed this way by this group of people. If I say the same thing, it's going to be construed this way by this group of people. So I'm in a position to where no matter what I say, one group of people is going to be upset with me. So what's the answer? Don't say anything. And that's the position that a lot of people have uh, taken in the church. So how do we move past that in a very practical way, considering the issues that we're facing right now? No man
1: can serve two masters. When we're saying that we're we're, we're Christians— and we're saying now, we're, you're asking this question saying that the person that we're answering the question for wants to make a change, correct? Mm-hmm. So if this person wants to make a change, there's going to be fallout. You can't serve the, this master of uh, status quo and the master of change. So if you want to be uh, part of the change, you're going to have to lose some stuff on the other side. And that that's both factions, or I should say all factions. There's going to be some fallout. From If you're going to take this hard stance that, yes, there are injustices and the church has sat silently by and watched these injustices take place. So when you stand up for this, when you uh, make some waves, yes, there's going to be some fallout. So. Is your social capital is your. Capital, financially, is is that more important to you than seeing uh, humanity back to where God wants us to be, loving each other and being your brother's keeper, if you will. So you're going to have to choose a side. You're going to have to choose a side. It's no different than uh, when we have to choose a side just as Christians against the world. You have to take a stand for what you believe is right. So this absolute truth that is the Bible, this absolute truth says that, uh, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. Uh, the Bible says that uh, we should, you know, honor life. So when we take a stand for abortion, uh, when we take a stand for uh, any laws that are against the Bible, yes, do we not lose friends? Mm-hmm. Do we not lose some some influence? Do we not lose uh, uh, just some of the... I guess the influence that we have—do
0: we not lose that? I think that that's the that's the question that I think we all need to ask ourselves, and that's the the tipping point, if I will, if you will, about where we are right now. I'm asking that as you look at this 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 social landscape, um, as you see Black Lives Matter, as you see protests, as mm-hmm. you see riots, as you see this, and as you see that, as you see COVID nineteen, all of these different issues that are simply coming together at this particular point in time in history that has really given the church an opportunity to stand up and be counted as relevant and not just relevant within the social construct of our sanctuaries. Of course, we're relevant when we come to church on Sunday, but I'm talking about taking the gospel message outside of the the church walls and being relevant to the times in which we are living in right now. And I think when you're talking about race and the church— that issue of honesty that you're bringing up is the one that we have to take. Unfortunately, I just think that there are people that have too much to lose to have that conversation in a place like this or to have that conversation where we both acknowledge our own failures and then come together collectively to say, how do we move forward? So let me ask you this. Has the church helped to perpetuate racism that's in the world right now?
1: Well, let me first. The, the, you, you made a statement. I want to talk to that statement. Then we'll we'll, we'll re-answer that question short. If the short answer, yes. But <laughs> the uh, you know that there are people that have too much to lose. The rich young ruler. Then they then, then they not ready for this fight. If you're not willing to to die to self. If you're not willing to. Uh, pick up the cross if you're not willing to do the things that's called that, that God has called us to do that Christ has called us to do then you're not ready for this fight I don't want you uh, fighting for me with me for Christianity for equality for unity I don't what do I need that guy for because whenever the fire gets too hot he's going to run the other way you know I, I, the rich young ruler what did, did he, he said that I've, I've kept all the commandments mm-hmm. I've, I've all I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. Say well, give away your money. Nah, I can't do that one. So he, he's not ready. So those folks are not ready. They're not. Ma- we'll, we'll just use the 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 the, the uh, church term. They're not mature enough to to handle what's about to, what's about to take place. And, and, so okay. So let me ask you on that. We're
0: dialoguing here. Okay. Fighting. Okay. In any fight, you're gonna lose something, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You May lose eye. May lose your dignity because mm-hmm. you got beat up really, yeah, really bad. Real bad. <laughs> But you're gonna stand to lose something. Something. Okay. So, would you consider this to be a fight that we're in right now, for the church, or for the church, or for us as African American church? Let's, let's let's take it in both directions: the church and African American. So is this a fight that we're in right now?
1: Oh, absolutely. As far as the church, because the thing is that we're not. You know, people are so focused on uh, all the, the this landscape, the COVID nineteen landscape, the. Uh, the 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 social justice all of that i think that the church can come in and change people's minds change people's hearts if they just show become the example of how to love so we need to uh, get in there and fight for what the bible says that we should fight for we're not necessarily and we're, we're going to have to just say as as african americans in the church we're not here to just fight for uh Uh, This equality just because we want to be equal. We're fighting for this equality so that our voice can be heard. But when our voice is heard, what do we have to say? Are we going to just talk about the fact that, you know, say it loud and black and I'm proud? Yes. But when I get a chance at the table, don't forget as us as the church, I'm black and I'm proud and I'm a Christian. Not in that order, not in that order, because what happens is this thing starts to mushroom. And, you know, you know how we feel, whatever the, the when the agenda switches, because the agenda will switch. When the agenda switches, because if you, you notice, Black Lives Matter has now, they have a new partner. Yeah, yeah, they got a new partner. They got, they got some new nah, partners. Now, nah, nah. you've been walking to a landmine. All
0: I'm saying is you they, you they been got to some. to a <laughs> landmine now. This is Studio B podcast, so we're not going to run away from it. No, sure not. But you've been walking to a landmine. So when
1: we w- once we say it loud, we're black and proud and we're going to partner with the church has an opportunity to come and jump in with this platform and bring Christ to those who need Christ. Man, people are losing their minds over COVID-19. And look, I understand that this, this virus is real. I understand that people are dying from this virus, but there are far too many people looking to uh, Dr. Fauci and the CDC and all these folks, far too many people to say they love the Lord. They're looking to them for all the answers when they can trust God. Yes, wear your mask. Yes, make sure that you social distance. I don't disagree with that. I know that the common grace says that God gave us these doctors and gave us all this information so that we could do the right things. But once all that stuff is over, quit losing your mind and trust the God that said that he can heal you, the God that said that has died for you. So to answer that, once we get this uh, to the point, where we're, we're being heard now as blacks who, you know, as black folks, you know, we all save because we black. Right. You do know that we. Yeah yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you get a God thousand. don't have no grandchildren. No, that's it. God <laughs> don't have no grandchildren. That's we we know that. But but, you know, we've been taught uh, like uh, the book that we were just talking about with Tony Evans said In and one is embrace that black folks think that they're they're saved because they're black, because we made it through slavery, because we made it through all these trials and tribulations. We've come through, uh, all of the civil rights era. We've come through all of that and God kept us. So because I'm black, I'm saved because I went through so much hell. That's not the case at all. But since we are black and the church is part of our culture, once we move this needle for the, the social agenda, then let's remember that we, uh, that, that,
0: that God brought us over. So, so, Pastor Lee, you are correct in the fact that there is a fight. I believe that we are in the fight of our lives. Yeah. I believe that we are in a fight for the integrity of the church, and, and I believe that we, that America is in a fight for, for the fight for the salvation of our soul, and I put that in air quotes. But mm-hmm. I do believe that this fight is being hijacked by unrighteous um, means and that we are fighting for the things that ultimately will not move the needle in a very significant way. Because as you said last week, I think it was, that there's so much white noise around us. Mm -hmm. There's so many different voices that are coming on around us. But as you look at the church right now, we are fighting um, to show our relevance Um, When you go back into the channels of history, you cannot disregard history in regards to white imperialism and Mm -hmm. how all of these things have infiltrated our particular communities. And so there is a fact there is an unconsciousness to the black man to where we are always looking for the white approval. And all of us do it in some way, shape or form. And it's even in the church right now um, where we can, Tony Evans said it best, he said that they can buy my books, they'll come to my conferences, they'll listen to me on the radio, but white America will not allow me to be their pastor. And that is a very sharp contrast in regards to people uh, on both sides, black, white, or indifferent, that are supposed to love the same God, worship the same God, honor the same God, believe in the same core principles that the Bible says. But how can we expect to get a message of unity across to the masses when that unity, when that message of unity is not being practiced in the House? It's being practiced on our side. I mean, since we're going to be uh, 100
1: about this thing, I, I can't answer the question for why the other side of the fence or the other side of the table, those on the other side of the table won't allow uh, leadership from this side of the table or why they won't allow uh us to come in and be be the playing field to be leveled. So we talked about when we talked about honesty. See, we can't get a lot of our brothers on the other side to just be honest. They want, and it's not just the church. It's all in just how the the DNA of this whole ebb and flow of this racial uh, injustice and this racial tension in the community. We get a bunch of little. Let's get Auntie Mama off the box. Let's get rid of Uncle Ben.
0: You finna start nah, nah, something again. Like
1: let's let's you just say, start Let's get like Ancient Mama off the box. Let's get rid of Uncle Ben. We're in, we're in Houston. Let's take the plantation off of Sienna Plantation. Sienna. Uh-huh. So now it's just Sienna. And see, what happens is after we get a couple little nuggets, then we're gonna sit back and say, see, there's folks that's trying to do better. We'll take our foot off the gas. But then on the other side, they'll say, see, look, we took got rid of Ancient Mama. We got rid Uncle Can't you see that we're doing? Uh, we're trying to do better. We've got to put a agenda. Or have a plan, have an end goal in mind, and like I said, we have to have those conversations. Ain't your mama's not enough for me? Ain't your mama may work for my cousin that lives over there, but that's not enough. Remember they gave ain't your mama a perm? Mm-hmm. Remember they they took the took the mm-hmm. rag off her head and gave mm-hmm. her a perm? Everybody said, man, it's about time. No, it's not about. Ain't your mama needs to come off the box, and, and all this stuff. But to to do that and and say that that's enough, or we need to say that that's not enough. We need to ask them, why is it that you won't let me lead you? Why is it that the only time we talk about someone being articulate is a black man? You know, why do we have these? Why why do you feel that way about me? And look them in the eye and and, and ask them to, to, to come and talk to you about it and come clean and have the same conversations you have at the golf course with your buddies. Have the same conversations you have when you're eating lunch with your friends who don't look like me. So that's. Where that that, that unity has to to come in. Now, our part, we can't be placated anymore. Stop settling.
0: Okay, so, so Pastor, now, the placating part is where I feel like the fight is going in a different direction. Um, we are asking for things that ultimately don't amount to a hill of beans. When you say we, who's we? I'm talking about black people in general. I'm talking about the black church. I'm talking about black people. I'm talking about us as a people. Man, nobody asked for ancient mama off the box. Okay, so you, you, you're taking plant, uh, plantation off of Sienna. Okay. Do you know how many black people live in those multimillion uh, dollar houses in Siena Plantation? And I, th- that's that what I'm saying. That moved into Siena Plantation while it was called Sienna Plantation? And the people in those communities are not worried about the word plantation because they moved there in the first place. Absolutely. Okay, so how is taking Aunt Jemima? How is taking Eskimo Pie? How is doing those things helping our cause? No, I agree with you. I totally and agree so with you. So how do we do that? And so don't when, fall for the smoke and mirrors. Okay, doc. so that's what I'm saying. So when we're talking about what's how we are moving the needle? How we gonna move the needle in regards to the church? Yes, the church has to preach salvation. That is our primary cause. Okay. We got to get people reconciled back unto God. Yeah. But we do a job here at the Church of Bethel's family trying to minister to the whole man. And I believe that needs to be a universal approach. Yes, we got to get you to Jesus. Yes, we got to make sure that your soul is saved. But after that, we got to make sure that you got a job. Yeah. Got to make sure that you got some education, some money in your pocket. That you know how to go out there and handle yourself in society. We got to be able to handle the whole man. And so, the church right now, as we're talking about race in the church, and maybe this is counterproductive when you got two black men who believe in the Bible talking about it. Uh, maybe uh, yeah, having we, yeah, my uh, counterpart yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, you need a counterpart. Uh, to bounce some ideas, but uh, just to know. Um, that an invitation has been sent but not responded to. Uh, So people need to know that an invitation has been sent but not responded to into having these kind of conversations that you can go back to your congregation and say, hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And so as you're looking at this landscape right now, we got a lot of stuff that we need to be fighting for, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately it's getting caught in the weeds. And as a church— and as biblical people we believe that we have the answers to life problems we do or at least we supposed to we we, we got to stop assuming that that that
1: first the division that we have so when we have these the, the the larger churches with the influence and the money they need to come on board and we need to reach out to them and let them see that like what we're doing here D- stop coming to my neighborhood and and telling me how to present some little black cheering with the gospel i know how to do that Mm. stop coming to my neighborhood and saying i want to take your kids to camp i can do that if you want to come here come here and see how you can take some of your power your influence and your money and change the surroundings how about you fix up some of these buildings? How about you let us put some of the money into the infrastructure and help us with some, some of these opportunity zones that are, that's coming from Washington? There's plenty of money in the church mm-hmm. that can build some opportunity zones around some churches that are doing something because there's far too many of us in our storefront churches and all we wanna do is make a little bit of money for ourselves and have some power and prestige as opposed to doing some social ministry. So how do we partner? You come in, don't tell me how to do what I'm already doing. Just help me get connections so I can make what I do bigger, better, broader and stronger. Now you got a bunch of Christians working together, unified, and also the gospel messages being being brought forth because you got Christians doing it. And then you have the money that's going in. So now I don't have to take federal money. Now I don't have to take money from some other private folk that are going to dictate non-Christian thinking and non-Christian morals to my people in my community. And now we're working together to bring us up together as a whole. That's how it can be done. But now that's me talking from this standpoint as the executive director of a nonprofit. Yeah, I could use some of that assistance, but I don't want the, the, the assistance with you coming. The perfect example, I had an issue just during COVID-19. Someone wanted to come and help and uh heavenly hand. It's been around since 2006, and, and they came in and said, well, this is what you need to do. Man, if I needed your help, I wouldn't be doing 6,000 people a month if I needed your help. Now, what I need your help. I want to do 6,000 people a week, so here's what I need you help. I need you to help me create bigger infrastructure, not to show me how to run the logistics of my day-to-day life.
0: One of the things that we've been able to do that I personally lean on with great emphasis is with all of my world travels and going around the world like I have, I've been able to experience Different cultures, different worship styles, different settings—that kind of gives me a different ideology of what we're we, what we're facing right now. I understand that most people do not have that experience by which to lean on. We are confined to this American culture, mm-hmm. this Westernized uh, Christianity, mm-hmm. that has, in a lot of ways, been tainted throughout its history. Okay. And so, there's a lot of um, um, there's a lot of uh, background to this whole thing. And I read something the other day, and I want to read this to, to the to the audience. It said that white Christianity suffers from bad case of Disney princess uh, theology. Hmm. Um, as each individual reads scripture, they see themselves as the princess in every story. They are the Esther, never the um, the Haman. They are the Peter, never the Judas. They are the woman anointing Jesus, never the Pharisees. They are the Jews escaping slavery, never Egypt. For citizens of the most powerful country in the world who enslave both native and black people, they see themselves as Israel and not Egypt when studying the scriptures. And so when you're talking about perspective and how certain cultures read, um, they read from a certain standpoint because of a history that's attached to it. As we look at what's going on right now in our world, and I'm trying to relate this and bring this back to the hitting point or to the start point of the church, uh-huh. and our duty to it. We are obligated to look at ourselves as believers first. Okay. True. Okay. So my identity as a black man is a temporal identity. Hmm. Yes, my sir. identity as a believer in Christ is an eternal uh, perspective. So I will be a black man from the time that I'm born to the time that I'm dead. Until I breathe my last, I'm a black man. I will forever, 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 forever be a child of God. So when I say that I identify as a Christian first and then as a black man second, I am met with starch or staunch opposition from every direction, especially in this hotbed of a culture that we're in right now. Is that a proper perspective for a biblical person to identify with?
1: Identify with as a Christian first and then black? And
0: then, or as whatever, whatever ethnicity they may be.
1: Oh, you're not getting the argument out like of me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, if you identify with anything else, then, like I said, oh, you're making something else your God. Race becomes your God. So now I'm going to lift up race over my God? No, I'm not going to do that. So my identity is in Christ. My identity is in Christ and Christ alone. If we find our identity in Christ, so let's go back to the original. Uh, conversation that we're having that that the church and how does it how does it look and what do we do with this thing if we identify with christ and christ alone we will have a better perspective on our brothers and our and our sisters regardless of uh color regardless of nationality so you said that they, they have a disney princess and then i'm not sure who wrote that but they say that the white uh church has a disney princess mentality everyone has a disney princess mentality only people that are serious about their walk with God and they, uh, they love the scripture, and they do introspective uh, looks at themselves and see they measure themselves next to, the, to Christ and they measure themselves and filter their, their walk through the word. Only then will we see ourselves as Egyptians. Only then will we see ourselves as Haman. Only then will we see ourselves as the Pharisees. Because you can't continually look at Scripture and continually see yourself as the the one that's always on the right side or always doing the right thing. Because eventually, then eventually, you run out of biblical characters to, characters to look like. So you just say, "Man, I'm Jesus." So if we do proper. Uh, self-study or, or, we, or self-examination and filter what we find through the scripture, we have to see ourselves as those who don't measure up. And if we make sure that we look at it from that standpoint, then I don't measure up. He doesn't measure up. How do we measure up? By walking the way that Christ wants us to walk and saying that I am a Christian first. I'm a fallible man. God sent his son Jesus Christ to come and die for me and reconcile me back. Reconciliation there means that I was once separated at enmity, at war with, that God brought me back into the fold, into relationship with him based on what Jesus did, not the color of my skin. I will stand at the top of any mountain And I will ward off any attack from anybody that says that I can't say that I'm a Christian first and then a black man. Because if you remove my Christianity, the dude that I used to be, he's real black. He's a dude that you don't want to. He's real human, I should say. I shouldn't say he's real black. He's real human. So, therefore, there was stuff that I did then that because of my Christianity, I don't do now. So, you'd much rather me put my Christianity
0: first when confronting me,
1: than to put my humanity first when confronting me.
0: Okay, so with that said, so with all of the issues that are going on right now, and there are, there are a plethora of issues that are going on right now. Um, the, the heat that is being taken now is, let, let me just speak from a personal standpoint, um, with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, I believe that the things that are being done right now in regards to rioting, and and the such and I'm speaking specifically upon rioting, not okay. upon protests. Uh so I draw a clear line in the sand between the protests and the rioting. I believe that the rioting is counterproductive and it pushes the needle back, it doesn't move it forward. But I also draw a clear line in the sand in regards to Black Lives Matter, the movement, and Black Lives Matter, the organization. Uh because I believe that those two things are diametrically opposed to one another. And so as you're looking at the agenda that what's going on right now, yes, Black Lives Matter. How do we get that message across with the same message that we just said, that I'm a Christian first, which is supposed to be preeminent. I'm a Christian first. But then how do I come back around in that same statement and say, okay, I'm a Christian, but black lives matter? How do the two merge? Well,
1: I think that it's not so much where I have to say I'm a Christian. Because remember the context of the conversation of the the two factions or the, the different Uh, segments of the church, black, white, Asian, whatever. So I think how do we make those two matters when we start saying you're a Christian first to uh, our brothers and sisters that aren't black. You're a Christian first. So therefore, all of your uh, beliefs should line up with the fact that my life matters just as much as yours. So we we, we had the conversation. So black lives matter to me. Black Lives Matter is not just about police brutality. See, when I go for a job, when my uncle went for a job in 1950 and, and the application was balled up, he forgot his social security number, he came back, he had to take the, the, trash, the, the uh, application out of the trash can so he could fill it out. See, before you throw that at application in the trash can, Black Lives Matter. When uh, I go to apply to a college and you start looking at my background and some of the things and you already have your quota that's when Black Lives Matter. When I look at the schools in my part of the country or my neighborhood, and before you send the worst teachers and the worst books and the least funding, that's when Black Lives Matter. Just up the street, Forrest Elementary, the grass is this high. It's an HISD school. They're not paying any teachers right now. They're, they're, they're not buying lunches. So they've got enough money to cut the grass. See, that's when Black Lives Matter to me. So that's the movement. Now, how do I... Put that in front of my Christianity, I don't. My life should matter to you because you're a Christian. My life matters as a Christian. My black life matters, not so much about police brutality, but my my equality and my humanity. As other factions of the church, they should see me as a Christian. And my humanity should matter. The issue is that my humanity, my black humanity, my black life doesn't matter. We're making decisions about where the money goes. We're making decisions about how uh, I see you. We're making decisions about what
0: I'm going to do to help you or not hold you down. So, so in that same regard, though, Pastor Lee. So, in that, if you look at the history of our church, even in the civil rights movement, let's 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 take that era. Okay. The civil rights movement. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. And you look at the foundational um, place that the church held. It was the meeting ground. Amen. That's where they came (laughs) to organize, to strategize. This is what we want. These are where the public town hall meetings took place. Pastors were leading the charge in many regards, uh, not just preaching in the pulpits on Sunday, but leading the charge in regards to all of these social reformations that were on the table at that day. And if we take that right now in the civil rights movement and looking at what they got accomplished with the help of the church with the help of the church with the help of the baptist minister with the help of the deacons whatever that may be mm-hmm. and they were able to move a, a specific agenda forward it is because they were specifically organized they were very strategic in what they were asking for and so as you're looking at what we're going on what's going on right now the the, the missing link to it all is a strategic planning Yes, we can mm-hmm. go out there and protest. Yes, we can go out there and hold sounds. Yes, we can go out there and do that and the other. But when you get to the table, what are you asking for? You're asking for stuff like defunding the police department. You're asking for stuff like taking Aunt Jemima off the box. Stuff like that that does not move the needle. It doesn't matter. Okay, so when you're talking about Forrester Elementary and you're talking about Black Lives Matter, have we crossed the finish line? Are all things equal in 2020? Of course not. Of course not. But have we come a long way to where now black men are able to get those educations that we were once being beaten and killed for? Are we now able to walk across stages with degrees in our hands, go on to higher degrees and higher degrees? Do we have black people now that are sitting as heads of industry? Do we have people like that in those particular positions? that are helping to move the agenda forward. So my whole thing about this whole Black Lives Matter and as it relates to the church, yes, black lives matter, absolutely. And where the church has failed is we have missed the opportunity to make a direct correlation to how we make that applicable. And that's what we're failing at as a church. Yes, we got to get them in. We sing hallelujah. We shout to the Lord on Sunday. But on Monday, let's talk about some practical application about how to close this educational gap. Amen. This economic gap. Amen. Judicial reform. That's where my black life matters. That's where my black lives matter. So when you're talking about as it relates now, the church is missing a prime opportunity as it relates to the civil rights movement of that day and what's going on right now with the social unrest of our day. Those two, those two eras are not the same. And so has the church missed an opportunity to really stand up and show itself to be effective?
1: Yes, because we've started to politicize things as well. Well, we, we've always politicized. That's why we got a church on every other corner. Because, uh, perfect example, we went, you and I we went to Panama City. Remember we went to Panama City? Mm-hmm. And we took a 46-foot trailer to give out stuff after the hurricane, Hurricane Michael. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get churches from a block away yeah. to come and get free stuff. We had to go to the car dealership yeah. that was run by people that didn't look like us. to give. We went knocking door to door to see if we can get those brothers to come and just come here, get the stuff. But they couldn't do it because they didn't want to do it because it was on another church parking another lot. Church. And they wanted so have we missed an opportunity to come together? Absolutely we've missed this opportunity. Because we're fighting and we have the facts. And let me just say, and I ain't just plugging this because I because this is my church. I think what th- that what took place with, with George Floyd where we had one church do the funeral, one church do the repast, and there was things that happen. Nobody cared about getting the credit. That's the thing. If we stop caring about getting the credit and start thinking about making progress, getting the progress over the credit. See, because once you get the progress, you know, you can, I'm not necessarily looking for the credit. I want people to, I want obstacles moved out of my grandchildren's way. You know, the, 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 when my uncle went back to fill out his application, got the job and pressed through and, and taught me that you got to watch out and make sure that you know that people are against you. And, and, and that gave me something inside of me that helped me to keep fighting. And, and I was able to, by the grace of God, make it through and over some obstacles in life. Uh, my, my children were all able to be educated. The only child that, that didn't go to college, he decided he joined the army. Uh, all of my kids had opportunities that were afforded because of that fight and because of that. So now my grandchildren, I want more obstacles removed out of their way. I don't want people to see my grandchildren as just those little black kids. But I also don't want them to forget that there were people that had to fight. Don't fall for Plantation coming off the sign. Don't fall for Aunt Jemima coming off the box or Eskimo coming off of Eskimo pie. Realize that there are people out there who are going to uh, want to hold you back, but you don't have to be held back. Now, how does that relate to us in the church? As we are working in the church together as one body, regardless of race, creed, or color, race, race, or creed, uh, regardless of those things, we work together as one body. We can start seeing people as the human beings that they are, the imago day that we all are. We're made in the image of God. Remove those obstacles. So I think now that's a little pie in the sky. I understand. That's not going to make it probably won't happen until Christ comes back. But let's just start, you know, ripping away at the fiber. Let's just start tailoring some of these layers away so that my grandson doesn't have to go through some of the same things that I have to go through.
0: So and your grandson. So so Pastor Lee, we've had personal conversations in this regard to where um, you're a student of history. Uh, I'm a student of history. Um, I believe that you learn about how to do it right when you learn about how they did it wrong. How they
1: did it wrong, amen.
0: Okay, so when you're looking at where we are right now as a culture in 2020, um, again, have we crossed over the finish line to where we can all sit along and grab hands and and sing "Kumbaya" and "Glory, Glory, Hallelujah"? Uh, probably not. There are still some very distinct uh, factions that exist in our culture today. Uh, but one of the things that I personally reject is the victim mentality that uh the media and that people put on black people um that we are just such victims and we are waiting for handouts (laughs) and waiting for everybody else to come and fight the battles that we have fought and what i am always trying to remind um people of is that we stand up on the shoulders of people uh, of giants giants and in 2020 yes we got issues y'all yes we got issues yes we got issues but you can't tell me we're fighting the same battle as my grandmother who grew up in the 30s. We're not fighting that same battle. Uh, she, 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 she went through immeasurable pain, immeasurable heartache, uh, great difficulties in order to get past certain barriers so that her daughter and ultimately her grandson can do better than what she did back in the 1930s. And so even in 2020, where we have not crossed over the finish line, your grandson, my children, my future grandchildren, have a much better opportunity as it relates right now than our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers had way back then. And so the needle is being moved in a direction that is in a positive direction. But I am asking, even right now, Pastor Lee, this victim, this victim role, uh, I'm looking at a man and you shared your testimony on many of occasions. Where does the personal responsibility of the individual lie? to where we are not pointing our fingers at everything systematic and saying, hey, there's some responsibility that I bear in this fight. I have not always done X, Y, and Z. And because of that, I am here. I have a partner over there, a friend over there, that has done some additional things that caused him to be there. So where does the personal responsibility lie in the individual's uh, life? How do we... How did we get to be the victim? Did we get
1: to be the victim because we uh, just woke up one day and said, you know what, man, it's a whole bunch of stuff out there. I'm going to get. It. Did we get to be the victim because of so many years of oppression, so many years of denial, so many years of, man, I, I, I can't get any better, just constantly hitting the ceiling? And then somebody felt sorry. They took Plantation off to Siena. <laughs> Somebody felt sorry and gave me a little bit. So the only respite that I ever received was from this person over here that just gave me a, a little bit. And 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 over the years, we've built this mentality that why fight when I can get it over here for free? So there is on both sides of the ball, if you will, there, there's blame. There's blame to be cast. There was programs and there were things that were just given to people that – you don't have to work. Most folk won't work if they can get it for free. Can we be honest with that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you've got on the other side where, where, where folks have said, uh, you know, I feel sorry, so we're going to keep on giving. So you said, how do we how do we stop being the victim? We, we, we stop being the victim when one side decides that, like I said, we're going to give – we're going to remove barriers and give opportunities. Because, yes, man, did I grow up hard – I grew up with not a lot. Not a lot. There are a lot yeah. of people that had a, had it a, a lot, lot worse A lot, lot worse. I had both parents.
0: Mommy
1: was a housekeeper. Dad was a trash man. But that's still two incomes. Doesn't matter where they came from. So I can't say that I had it as rough as some, but I, I didn't have it as good as others. I was taught to work for everything that I get. I was taught that. Now, Some other folks that were taught that have decided to take the easy road. Why do they take the victim road, and why does one take the hard work road? I don't have any idea. And for us to sit here and say that a lot of or most of, because I think we were kind of leaning towards most of us black folks play the victim role, or 51%. Am I safe in saying that that's how it's viewed?
0: That's how it's viewed. We'll just Mm say
1: 51%. We know it's viewed higher than that. So... If they only show that, and how long before you start to believe everything you see? Like your mom sitting there, boy, you stupid, boy, you stupid, boy, you stupid. How long before you are gonna believe that
0: you're stu- before you'll believe that you're stupid? Okay, so, but in that in that same in that same regard, though, Pastor Lee, again, when you're looking at the personal responsibility of the individual, okay. each person, and and the personal responsibility is a biblical precedent. Yes. That every man is going to stand before God to give an account of their life. I'm not going to give an account for my wife's life, not for my four kids, not for anybody around me. God's going to be looking at me, asking me, what did I do with my life? Okay. So the personal accountability is a biblical precedent that is taught from Genesis to Revelation. I think we're living in a time right now to where we're trying to ease the consciences of so many people by saying, this is the reason why. That's the reason why and not this is the reason why. And I'm saying that if we get to the place to where the church can start to operate in the biblical capacity by which we have been called to live. We've been called to live in this space. I'm not talking about the world. The world the world's going to do what the world's going to do. Tony Evans stated right the job of a sinner is to sin. It's to sin. Amen. Yeah, okay, so yeah. I'm not expecting the world to come out there and sing Kumbaya. I'm not. Okay. But I am expecting those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus to be held responsible. To be held responsible. And the church has a prime opportunity right now in this culture, this social unrest, to really stand up and make some positive changes moving forward. And it is going back to your first point. It's scary, but mm-hmm. it's going to have some very. It's going to have to take some very truthful yes. and hard conversations. So let me ask you this: as we begin to kind of bring this to a to a close, if Jesus was here bodily, I'm not talking about the new <laughs> If he was here bodily, if he was here bodily, what do you think his response would be in today's culture, man? Okay, let me tape it. First, you asked me
1: to answer for the white church. <laughs> now you asked me to answer for Jesus. I think he he said for just the church. Yeah, yeah. What would he, I mean? Just would he, as would he, he I, I would think he'd do more than weep. Like he wept over over Jerusalem. Would he turn over tables? Ah, uh, in in yeah, he'd have to, because there's so many. Especially when you start thinking about okay, if you're you're thinking about how when he said my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer how so many of us have sold out for certain things like the ones that have sold out for political gain all right so you go and you i can't name folk you, you, you can't you, sit, <laughs> you go and you say if uh you show up here at my church if you let me show up at your church and say some things then all of a sudden you will funnel some stuff you with yeah it turns over tables but when you sit here and you look at the opportunity to share the gospel Because that's hurting people out there mm-hmm. Right now that's hurting people The angry people that are Out there standing and protesting The angry people that are burning stuff up Even the angry people that are saying Defund the police Those people need to know That they can love and be loved And so would he weep over the church? Yes I, I think personally I think he'd weep more than, than, than turn tables Because the opportunities that are being missed Because they, as he said you know, They don't have a clue We're paraphrasing here. They don't have a clue what's about to take place. If they would just follow me, if they would just listen to me, if they would just love like I've loved, if they would just give like I've given, if they would sacrifice like I'm about to sacrifice, if they would just follow this this model that I'm setting forth, it would be so much easier. It's so much easier to love someone than to always be in conflict with them. It's so much easier to place others at a higher uh, quality than yourself. See, if you think of someone as being better than you, then you're probably not going to hurt that person. If you're thinking of someone that's always lower than you, then you're going to disregard their feelings, disregard their emotions, disregard their outcome, their well-being. You'll totally disregard that person. But if you put someone at least on your level, if not a little bit higher, you're going to think differently about it. It's kind of like remember when you were, when you were younger, when when you know when you were younger, the way you felt about women hopefully has changed from way you feel about your wife mm-hmm. and 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 now. But, you know when you were younger, it was a different kind of mentality. But now you see, you know, differently. And I guess it's, you know, when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's time for the church to put away childish things. It's time for us to stop looking and seeing differences and start to see the similarities of the fact that we're still trying to all just get this gospel message out to God's people. Because that's what it should be about at the end of the day, sharing the gospel message, uh, spreading the love of Christ showing
0: people that there's a better way in Christ so 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 let's 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 take that showing people that there's a better way in Christ so the Bible is replete on racism mm-hmm. classism um social divisions I mean the Bible speaks about all of that um and I believe if if Jesus was here bodily like walking around the earth right now mm-hmm. his heart would break for the world mm-hmm but I think his heart would break even more for the church. Um, he mentions it in the book of James that when a man comes in and he's dressed mm-hmm. in fine apparel, Bring that the up. ushers say, yeah. "Hey, come on up here, <laughs> come on up here." Yeah. But when somebody else comes in and he's in tattered clothes, yeah. he say, "Yeah, you come be my footstool." Yeah, yeah. Right. So when he, he when he addresses that in the biblical context, he's addressing it in a very re- real world uh, world scenario. And so when I'm looking at the church right now and our responsibility, and I want to make sure that everybody hears me when I say this, um, we have a responsibility as it relates to right now in 2020 okay. that I think is very unique. That's and right. I don't know, because right now the entire eyes, are, and I'm talking from a Western mm-hmm. uh, a western place right now, uh, just simply from an American standpoint, uh, because that's where the hotbed issues are happening right now. Uh, We have been given a platform. God has used this particular instance for Brother Floyd for reasons that are only known to him, Deuteronomy 29 and 29, to really put the eyes of the world upon America. And America is at that proverbial crossroads. Mm -hmm. And she's going to have to decide which way she wants to turn. But even more so than that, the world is taking its cues, I believe, from what they see happening in the church. We are exhibiting the very same things that are going on out there in the world. The factions that are happening between black and white, Mm -hmm. Republican and Democrat, red and blue, rich versus poor, are happening within the houses of God. They're happening right now in the places of worship where there's supposed to be this thing called unity. Mm -hmm. And so the church bears a huge responsibility. And what we see happening on the outside and looking at ourselves inside to say, how are we, as Bible-believing men and women, how are we bridging that racial gap? How are we bridging that economic gap? How are we bridging that educational gap? How are we uh, fighting for the justices of the those who have been mistreated in, in the judicial system? How are we doing that? And so when you're talking about the, um, the race in the church, um, maybe this is too deep of an issue to try to get one that but let me give you the last um let me give you the last uh um, thing here before we close so the question is what's next yeah um, and what's next for the church in very uh practical terms um, everyday marching orders mm-hmm. what do we do now
1: as we you know just just full circle back to you know we talked about a lot of things but full circle back to the fact that we got to have those those conversations man you've got to go to your, your friends that don't look like you and, and I'm praying that most of us that are in the ministry that are doing the work either uh, on the ground or in, in or out of the country we've got some friends that don't look like us and uh, we've got to start having those conversations and start asking them you know uh, how do you see me and why And then we've got to also answer the same questions. How do you see, do I see them as a check? Do I see them as somebody who can help fund some of my programs? Do I see them as somebody who can uh, treat me to a a, a nice vacation or to a nice opportunity? Uh, So do I, like, play the victim without even really knowing it? And do they play the colonizer without even really knowing it? Because we've been in those roles for so long and how it crosses into the church from the world because we're in this world. And so we start looking to certain uh, factions and certain entities to come alongside and give us a boost. And we come looking for certain factions and certain entities. Our brothers do go out looking for uh, places to pour in our money so that we can— release some of the guilt that we have for what has what our ancestors have done to you and then we start to look for handouts because we're looking for for the reparations if you will for lack of a better term uh, for what you've done to us let's come together have conversations this is why i feel this way this is why i feel this way how do we move together with me being enabled and empowered and you being enabled and empowered To move in your communities and say things that you didn't necessarily want to say before. Know that I'm going to be on your team. And for me to be empowered to say things that are not as uh, acceptable.
0: So, Pastor James A. Lee, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the set of Studio B. Uh, Man, race and the church. Uh, How does the church uh, operate in this current culture that we're in right now? Uh, I hope that the uh, conversation has been insightful, been candid, um, and I pray that um, through it all, that conversations like this are being had, um, not just on podcasts like this, but in your home, on your job, at the lunch table, um, at dinner with your kids to really drive a conversation that needs to be had in this culture that we're in right now. So thank you for joining us here on Studio B. Make sure you go to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, like, go to YouTube, hit subscribe, then also click that little bell to make sure that you're updated with every single new episode that drops every Monday. Thank you for joining us here on Studio B. We'll see you next week.